Live from the Internet, it's the Narrative After Show. Bringing you the entire week in review. With Rachel Vinnikoffer, Eric Garland, and here's your host, Zev Chalet. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the show. It's so good to be with you tonight on a Friday night. It's the after show. Best part of the week because we get to talk about everything that happened and let it all disappear as we get ready for the weekend. Rachel Bittercoffer is back from Arizona. How are you, Rachel? I'm good, man. I'm burning with incandescent row rage, so I'm really I, glad to have happy hour tonight. The best tweet of the day, best DM I've ever had, actually, from you, uh, was uh, incandescent row rage, which is hard to say now that I say it on the air. But uh, we're going to talk a lot about row rage tonight and about the Supreme Court and how it's really been taken over by a bunch of activists and maybe a bunch of justices that shouldn't even be there. We'll talk about that plus a lot more. And here's Eric Garland. How are you, Eric? Is he frozen or is he just not talking? Help. Hello. I think he was pranking us, though. I think so. That's what you got. <laughs> Here's the deal. I'm mostly going to just listen to Rachel tonight. Well, we are, <laughs> no. you know, so what's that? The subject, that's the same. I, I like Bitcoin melted down. Okay, Rachel, go. Do you talk a little bit yeah. about that? Do you want to talk first about the cryptocurrencies? It's worth talking about just a second before you. I you, love talking about how everybody's invisible money disappeared. <laughs> including the prime minister of um, uh, and where? it's okay the investors will be okay because they'll just go to the agency that regulates tether which actually has no headquarters but it's rumored that it's based in hong kong but no one can prove that oh yeah. right we don't regulate that so you don't get your money back oh um, and you're not it's not really security so it's like you made a loan to these bitcoin exchanges these crypto exchanges, it's like you made them alone and you're an unsecured debtor in the event of a bankruptcy. Got all this dorky stuff. It's like, why are these non-hipsters, these people who don't have any the good taste to live in San Francisco in a $6,000 studio apartment, like, why do all us DC dorks keep bringing up this big drag down FDIC, SEC, FTC, treasury stuff? Because before all this existed, when people went completely broke, like all at once, then everyone fucking starved. Yeah. And so we put the big buildings and we put all the nerds in the buildings. And so all these, but yeah, but what if I had an Atari cartridge thing and I just, I put in a bunch of Saudi and Chinese laundered money into it and we just pass those around and grow really quickly. And then we would all deny the effect of money laundering and hostile regimes and just go, look, man, it's just innovation. And yeah. I would go, well, that would be stupid. And then when you all lose your money, there's no agency to go to. And I will laugh and laugh. And today, Naib Bakelli, the, the president of El Salvador, who converted the nation's currency to Bitcoin, I believe. He did? He did? Converted. What? what? <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that. It was a few weeks ago. Really? I believe so. It was like some months back. Because it's hard to do their, you know, their real GDP is entirely 1,000% in cocaine at this point. Right. So, so it that, might as you well. Just yeah. do bag it. You can't do baggies of cocaine. So they went <laughs> to the next best thing. But now that's so cuts off out his the whole bureaucratic. Yeah, that's amazing. It cuts off the whole bureaucratic process. That's uh, really smart of him to do that. So what did you say happened to Twitter? 
Oh, crypto to cocaine. That's a good idea. Well, that's what it's used for, isn't it? Is that what people use Bitcoin? It isn't it? <laughs> you know, what did that Fentanyl happen? coin, Bitcoin coin, arms trafficking coin. They should have just done that. <laughs> Trump coin, Elon Musk yeah. coin, Tesla coin. Oh, yeah. Can we talk coin. about Elon? Can well, we talk yeah, about, we can talk Elon. about yes. Elon? We can talk about <laughs> His save me, I destroyed my first company. <laughs> Help me, somebody get me out of this tweet. I didn't see that today. I just saw. I saw the one. You guys didn't see that? No, I saw the one where he just suspended the uh, suspended his Twitter purchase today, which was like, okay, yes. not surprised to see yeah, that. Yeah. We've been predicting that over here, but yeah. You know. So what he did was very subtle. He said, "There, I, they think there might be bots on this network that I didn't know about. <laughs> now, the Los Angeles Times had a story. I know. I know. <laughs> I mean, it would be like Trump saying, well, I, we, I'm suspending my campaign while I investigate the role of bad hair pieces. Uh, you know, <laughs> like... <laughs> I mean, Elon, you, really? Elon Musk must run um, every single bot uh, factory out there. I mean, he must have tons of them out there because every time he puts anything on Twitter, it just gets amplified by hundreds of thousands of people instantly, which must mean there's something amplifying him other than just humanity, I would think. <laughs> no, I don't got, like, imagine that got, there's a hundred. like Yang fanatics, you know, there's like oh, these yeah. fucked up crypto boy, you know, libertarian dotards who are... Chinese botnets. Yes. Yeah, this you. guy's like the fucking god because he can land an X backwards, <laughs> a rocket on an X, you know? Chinese botnets. botnets. So do you think he was revealing that more than 5% of Twitter users are Chinese botnets? Because he seemed to be in a backwards way admitting that 5% of Twitter was actually bots. And then that he might know where they come from is interesting as well because he's so tied in with the Chinese. I'm going to defer to the analysis of DJ from Legal Eagle, which is a great channel on YouTube explaining sort of like go, he goes through movies that involve attorneys and goes through and separates fact from fiction. And he's an attorney in Washington, D.C. for real. And he said, oh, this is very clever. What uh, Elon is doing here is avoiding the billion dollar penalty for pulling out of this deal by oh. suggesting that, that Twitter has not um, provided him with accurate information uh, that they've misrepresented material information about the risks involved in the company. And so he's raising that uh, as a reason to not buy the thing because no one will give him the money because he is a swirling quagmire of failure and doom. Is everyone and, getting the picture on Elon so, Musk? I mean, is everyone understanding now that he's just a giant con artist, that he's not anything special, that he's just basically a, a sideshow, a huckster? I don't know what you want to call him, but he's... Uh, he is not the real deal. I mean, people are calling the richest man in the world, but it's certainly not his money. And clearly, he's just conning America. And America's lapped this up, lapped it up for years. And uh, no, he can't have Twitter. We're not allowing him to have Twitter. He, he cannot have it. I'm not going to have it. Math is uh, not allowing him to have Twitter. <laughs> like, yeah. It's so funny because like, he put this cry out for help the other like two days ago. He's like, you know, I might bring Donald Trump back. But only if I own Twitter. I mean, there's if I didn't buy it for some reason. Oh, and he does that on the day that he's trying to get what he wants is yeah. the public to keep demanding that he not go and there to be this outrage about Trump. Yeah. So that he has an excuse that he can say Twitter canceled me. <laughs> you oh, you might I mean? be right. Yeah, that's that yeah. makes a lot of sense. You also that came yeah. the same day as the Tesla announcement, right? That he was well, recalling. You know, I a hundred... got your number, buddy. Yeah, I always have and I always will. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, just that same and day. Al- also, Tesla got has a certain number of assets there that are in crypto. And if those melt down, then the value of his shares, none of that makes yeah. sense. The FTC will dig into it. And it's just a galactic clusterfuck. I remember and, that. That was um, the time that Elon Musk decided he was going to be a genius and buy a whole bunch of Bitcoin and went up in price in the months after that. But it doesn't look so genius right now because a lot of the money that the assets they have on their books are worth a lot less today than they were uh, when he first bought them. And they are not guaranteed, as you point out, oh, by anybody. Uh, hold on. <laughs> then he bet Tesla better have uh, accurately portrayed the risks Ah. to their shareholders or the SEC will find them in violation of that. And they could get sued by, if there are significant losses, Tesla shareholders could sue them for breach of fiduciary responsibility. They could, so not only he's going to need the, to be the richest man because he's going to need that much in the legal bills. Be amazing. I mean, if he backs out and does this shit with Twitter that he did today, where he's like, Oh, it might have been overvalued. I mean, how can that not be him trying to undercut? Like, he's literally taking this company, using this whole, like, fake buying and, and depreciating its value. Like, would that be legal? I don't know. And they're also if acting some- internally like they're like he's owned the company. They're firing people based on his new direction. They fired two people yesterday. They can't oh, be, they did? Yeah, yeah. They've, they're starting to run the company very differently. They've frozen hiring at Twitter. Yeah, yeah. they've changed the culture. Meanwhile, it's not going to go through, guys. You know, uh, maybe not change everything based on a deal that's not going to happen. Wow. Are they quitting or are they having to take time off to go to testify at grand juries? Well, they'll be fired. <laughs> Literally, the statement from one of them was, no, I'm not leaving on my own decision. They are basically, oh, okay, well, I got to go. Well, that's they fired. Me out. Yeah, two of them, two of the senior guys there. So that's not a good look. I mean, that company can't be acting right now, I don't think, as they are already owned by Elon Musk because the deal hasn't gone through. Isn't there like a whole process of separating church and state until the deal happens? I mean, you would have thought. I would be shocked that they would make changes without that. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's really really dangerous that they're doing that. Also dangerous for Twitter. So, you know, all these things people are saying about accounts disappearing, followers disappearing. That's also people have to be watching all that carefully. But should we talk about Row Rage? Row Rage! And uh, by the way, here's something interesting. It's not 1970s, it's now 2020, and like a big chunk of you dudes out there are are what I call feminist allies, right? So I absolutely disagree that only women should be talking about this. They want to strip women's fundamental self-control over their own bodies. And if you think about it, like say you're one of these unlucky bitches who get pregnant and get something that's going to fucking kill you, the state is mandating death. Okay, that's a state mandate that you're going to die because they won't let this operation happen for a baby, okay? We're not fighting for equality, like de jour equality right now. This is not 1970. What we need now is a mass movement, and it has to be across all racial coalitions, both genders and all the other options out there now. And we need to be focused squarely on the top line message, which is fundamental liberty and self-determination, not reproductive services, which is a very siloed way. I mean, these things are important. Don't get me wrong. It's important that women of color and poor people are going to be immediately impacted. Though I want to be clear, 
I don't understand why people can't get on board with the reality of what's coming. These motherfuckers are making it illegal for you to take your daughter and sneak out of state, okay? And they're putting shit inside these laws that allow for criminal prosecution. And once Roe gets eviscerated, if this memo is how it does, and it totally eviscerates it like that, all of these legislatures are going to have bills ready to go, ready to file. They're going to be full bans, not six-week heartbeat bans, full bans, day one, moment one. And they're going to also pick up plan B, okay? Mm-hmm. So you, you could find yourself in a situation where you're in Georgia. In in, in some of these states like Ohio or uh, Michigan, they don't have legislative control uh, in Wisconsin to change the law. So these trigger laws are going to come are going to be really rigid. They're much more rigid than the GOP's contemporaneous bans. The original laws that they'll be reverting to ban all abortion and make it criminal, (laughs) right? So we really need people to be focused on the big picture. They're coming for the right to privacy. First, they're going to eviscerate women's self-determination, and that's our economic determination too, mind you. A a major component of the so-called right to contract party is this economic liberty argument, and they're totally stripping me of mine if they take away my reproductive control, right? And number two, they're coming for, if it's right to privacy, and they're arguing that it, since it doesn't say right to privacy in the Constitution, there's all of the rights for um, for gay Americans, for trans, all of that stuff is founded on that porn, boys, porn. Look, porn. Okay? You can't take porn away. <laughs> Jeez, now, yeah. getting, now you got my interest. Uh, sorry. That's exactly right. That's exactly <laughs> right. Because I, I think it'd be you know, a little bit easier to enrage men about just rando men, not liberal men, uh, about access to porn than it would be to get them to care about other people's rights in the abstract. Well said. Well said. I think you know. I think good. I think it's so much more dire than that. Actually, um, yeah. Go ahead. If you don't have the right to your body, you don't have the right to anything. And just That's because right. I don't have a uterus at press time, that law, if we put up with that, that opens the door to every other thing, getting rid of habeas corpus. This is not going back to the 1950s. This is going back to pre-Magna Carta. Mm -hmm. This is autocracy. Because, you know, you mentioned, Rachel, the emanating here in Missouri, uh, where they put this bill forth to uh, make it illegal to have your fetus leave the state if you make a decision in another state that has other laws. And then you're liable still under Missouri law. So that means the state of Missouri is claiming that it owns its human beings. Just be like, I'm not from here. I was born in Vermont and I I live in Paris. I live in Washington, D.C. I came here. But, you know, were I a woman now if I leave? Because what? Because I had a lease here in Missouri or, you know, I had a mortgage here in Missouri for a while. If a woman buys a house here for a couple of years and then leaves the state that the laws follow her. I thought the second amendment was the thing that GOP fucked up the worst, but apparently the 10th amendment is what they're really going nuts on because there's no federalism without this, Hmm. or rather if this happens, you're saying that there's no separation between the states. It's like, why do we have different state governments uh, then? Well, Eric, I mean, it's funny that you should mention that because, like, here's the ultimate goal. I mean, if we are, I mean, let's just go wild here and explain this to people because I had to learn this and I had no idea. And I did a lot of research, actually, before I got to this particular tidbit. When Weimar collapsed into the Third Reich, 
there was a federalist system there. The states had autonomy. They had their own governors. And what they did was at that moment when they consolidated power and had control of the Reichstag, which is basically just fake rubber stamping like Putin's parliament now, they abolished federalism. They just said, you know what, now everybody's under one national government and the government's going to send ambassadors, basically, like the colonial times where they have governors that served in these in these German states, but they were all that state separation, that subset of the special circumstances were wiped out. And I know that that is the Republican Party's ultimate goal. There's no fucking way they're going to just let blue states do their thing and control the economic engine of this country. It's not going to happen. No. I think what you're both saying is so important, especially the idea that we're becoming, and if this ever is passed, would make us subjects of the state. I mean, we're sort of going to this idea, you know, that monarchies have, where you're a a subject of that monarch. You are not an individual who has control over their own bodies. You're not an individual who can go and make these decisions about where you live, whom you love. All these kinds of things disappear. We're basically then have no rights to who we are. We're just there to perform functions for the state. And this is ridiculous for a party that claims to be a libertarian party. You know, of all things, they claim to be libertarian. And what they really want to do is control everything about you. Especially, we talk about abortion, we're also talking about uh, the government in your bedroom, which is it's just a, is the most frightening thing for America. That's never been part of who we are. And, um, and you, the government in your bloodstream. Yeah, yes. And your family tree and everything. So it's reality of it is the idea of becoming subjects to the states is exactly what they ran away from when they started America. I mean, that's the existence of, a, that's why America became America, was to overthrow the king. And so now we're going to be back I got to kick you, so, go Broheim, we got to kick you back another 600 years. Yeah. You're talking about the Magna Carta was like, our bodies don't, habeas corpus, the, you know, to say, you can't just lock somebody up. The king doesn't have the right to somebody's body without some form of law. And that's some form of law. We're talking about witch burners here, people. Yes. He cites cites his moral compass. Men that were involved in the fucking witch hunts, dude. Like, I, I, this memo is so astounding. If you haven't read the 90 something pages of it, I didn't get through the 90, but I read some of it. Yeah, it's probably kind of frightening. It's a weird language as well, the way he's phrasing things. It's so aggressive and so, it's almost like the last 50 years didn't happen. It's kind of bizarre. Oh, it is. It is meant, no, it's not just that it's almost like the last 50 years didn't happen. What it's attempting to do Mm -hmm. is legally wipe it away, Mm -hmm. like literally legally eviscerate 50 years of jurisprudence and i would argue probably more because what this court's ultimate goal is i think is to reverse lochner right that's the big decision that pisses them what's off. lochner the again idea, sorry i forget lochner is when the right to contract which was like the defining paradigm of our entire system for many years was right of contract this idea that employers and employees enter into a contract mm-hmm. obviously it's a one-sided contract and that economic liberty is like the guiding most important principle of human development. And they mm. use that to squash unions and all of the labor reforms like child welfare and stuff like that. So like we get this paradigm shift in the New Deal when the economy collapsed and everyone was starving to death as we just talked about. That's when the court starts to say, you know what? There is power here for the individual and there's more than economic 
concerns, mm. right? And that's where you start to see the second era of the court or third era. I think it was the third era of the court. First era is judicial review, right? Second era, era is the right of contract. And then the third era is individual liberty. And that really starts up in the 1940s. And none of these forces that are driving this are actually American forces. I mean, they're not originally American forces. We're talking about the church. We're talking about the Catholic church. We're talking about the Kochs who are, you know, made a lot of their money out of Russia, which we'll emphasize in just a little bit. There's a, these a entire Leonard Leo campaign and where it gets its funding from, you know, the Federalist Society and how we got these three judges, justices on the Supreme Court is ridiculous. These three people should not be standing there and they should not be determining such important things about American life. On the other side of this break, we're going to go into great detail about Anthony Kennedy, the justice you don't see here, but who was asked to uh, retire by Donald Trump, a campaign to ask that justice to retire so uh, Justice Gorsuch could be placed in his place. We'll be right back, and then we'll cover that story. Hey, everybody, it's Zev Shalev here. It's becoming more and more expensive to buy groceries. And if you, like me, are trying to get all the nutrients and vitamins you need while still balancing your budget, it's become nearly impossible to get all the nutrients you need from food alone, especially on a budget. That's why I did the 30-day Athletic Greens Challenge in April. The plan was simple. Take the AG1 supplement throughout April and track any increases in energy levels, overall well-being, and vitality. And if my immune system felt boosted, I did it throughout April, and I have to say, I feel terrific every day taking it. I still take it every day after the 30-day challenge is over. And the biggest fear that people have about green drinks is the taste. And I have to tell you that even taking a daily, drinking this drink every day, the drink tastes great every time. It's refreshing and tastes a little bit like a tropical drink. AG1 is engineered to provide all the right nutrients at just the right time. Whether you want increased energy or improved muscle recovery, they've got it covered. And because they care about your wallets too, AG1 will only cost you around three bucks a day. To make it easy for you, Athletic Greens is also going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash narrative. Again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash narrative. That's the way we spell narrative, N-A-R-A-T-I-V, to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And remember to go visit that site if you want all those free goodies attached to your order. That's athleticgreens.com forward slash narrative, N-A-R-A-T-I-V. Hey, everybody. Now we're back live. Hey, everybody. Um, <laughs> very serious voice there. I was, you know, I was obviously uh, a newsy day. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, uh, who should we talk about first? Should we talk about uh, Kennedy or should we talk about Thomas? Because uh, let's talk about Kennedy. This is the moment I'm, I'm, I want to refer to because no one really paid that much attention to it, although it was sort of certainly noteworthy. This is Trump. I don't know why Kennedy, I was there for the, and the cabinet was being sworn in. So he's being sworn in and Kennedy says something, and then um, Trump says something to Kennedy. There's no sound here, but you see the shock on his face and then they move away. No one yeah, knows what he looks what unhappy. He looks really unhappy. I've never seen that. It's a really important piece of video because you know, the Trumps had a bit of a campaign to get Kennedy off the bench. It wasn't just that he decided to retire. He was pushed out of the bench by the Donald Trump family. And here's how we know that. So um, this comes from uh, Vanity Fair. 
Um, Trump systematically nominated three of Kennedy's former clerks for plum judicial posts while he criticized other more conservative members of the court. He lavished praise on Kennedy, despite the fact that the justice has been pillared by the right for his votes on social issues. And he cultivated a relationship with Justice Kennedy's son, Justin, who worked closely with the Trump organization in his role as Deutsche Bank, as the global head of real estate capital markets, according to the Times. The overtures that he did outside the White House, Ivanka Trump reportedly took Kennedy to lunch shortly after the inauguration and brought her daughter, Arabella Kushner, to the Supreme Court to hear oral arguments as a special guest of Kennedy shortly after. Republican Senator Chuck Grassley, who served as chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee, went on conservative commentator Hugh Hewitt's radio show last month to implore the court's aging judges, if you're thinking of quitting this year, do it yesterday. Now, this is not really surprising. I mean, we've all known that there was a desire by the Republican Party to change the court, but it does seem like Trump really overstepped his mark here. I mean, for a first family to be actively asking a justice to retire is unheard of. Oh, yeah. They're not and supposed to have any about. contact at all. They're yes. not supposed to talk to them. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So isn't it wild yeah. that they were running a campaign to get him to retire so they could put Gorsuch up there? And because of their relationship with uh, Justice Kennedy's son and Donald Trump through Deutsche Bank, that real leverage over there. Here's another article. This is from The Guardian. This is the book that Dark Towers, it's a fantastic book about Deutsche Bank. And in it, they talk about how there was a coordinated White House charm offensive to persuade Anthony Kennedy, a swing vote on the Supreme Court to retire and clear the way for Brett Kavanaugh, according to a forthcoming book. And then... I'll get into some of the book says there. Sorry, I said Gorsuch earlier, and I made Kavanaugh. But you get the general idea. So this is the a new administration comes into power, run by the Kochs, basically paid for by the Kochs. And they decide they're going to get Kennedy, who's a bit of a swing voter. I mean, he was unpredictable on the, on the bench, to retire and replace him with Kavanaugh, who they thought was their man. Maybe not their man now, we're finding out, but certainly the way we heard uh, Sheldon Whitehouse described him last week. The way in which Kavanaugh became a Supreme Court justice is incredibly corrupt. Well, think about Zev. I'm going to point out like why they would do this, right? Mm -hmm. And it's because, I mean, if they can mock Kennedy out and replace him with any of their picks, then they Mm -hmm. have five, four locked in Mm -hmm. in their minds on everything forever, right? And if you keep Kennedy, you probably have the conservative majority, mm-hmm. but not necessarily. Kennedy can go rogue, right? right? So, like, the stakes to get him out because Gorsuch took the vacancy that had already been sitting there were so, to them, it was about having, I mean, fucking Trump's mind, it was about putting justices on there that would just rubber stamp whatever he wanted to do constitutionally. Yeah, or the Leonard Leo Federalist Foundation, backed by the Kochs, were, no, you know, I, I, this is a 50-year operation to try and win the, the court, and they have stacked it with people that are completely yeah. ideologically unaligned with America. Completely. Yeah, and like for the rest of them, that was the motive, right? Mm. To get to this moment where they could eviscerate Roe and come after the right to proper right to privacy and eviscerate gay rights and other mm. things, right? Birthright exactly. citizenship. That was the golden goose for all of them. But for Trump, and the reason you see the Trump family, little crime c- cartel, all mm. band together on this mission, it's legal buffer for them personally, not about ideology, about them personally. And they needed, they felt like they needed that fifth vote to keep them out of jail or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know? It's really shocking, Eric. I mean, this is just, there's so much getting rolled back. I mean, you know, when you look at the chronology, we got abortion, women got the right to abortion or rather women and doctors got the right to do what 
<laughs> do the medical procedures they thought were, was appropriate with some privacy three years before women were allowed to uh, apply for their own lines of credit with banks. Yeah. What? I know that. That's yeah. interesting. That's oh, interesting. yeah. No, I used to tell my students this. I used to be like, I'd walk them through history and basic like civil liberty history, actually, when I did those chapters, civil rights and liberties. And one of the things I wanted them to understand is that in 1964, married couples could not get birth control <laughs> married couples wow. let alone unmarried wow. like people who just want to fuck okay married people could not get birth control and they had to sue set up a whole case like rosa parks on the bus and sue and that's that griswold case that people have been talking about mm. prior to that as eric just pointed out women did not have the power to get their own lines of credit without a husband co-signing it, it was it was like the seven, late 70s i thought when they finally finally got that right eric i think you're right right yeah I think yeah i mean it's like which one was row 73 and the banking was 76 i mean it's insanely, yeah, yeah you know so I mean, how long have they like, been planning I was born this? in 77 dude <laughs> they started soon after if you believe sheldon whitehouse it's right after the roe versus wade was passed the 72 73 they started planning it and it was a few years of secret planning and then you know they basically started stacking the courts I mean, yes. and the whole process, the whole federal well, society, the whole confirmation process became stacked. I believe it was also, I think it was the 70s as well. There was the Rome Statute of the International Criminal Court. I think it's Article 7 that makes forced pregnancy a crime against humanity that, mm. that is uh, prosecutable at The Hague. The United States did not sign on to that statute. We're one yeah. of the few yeah. holdouts, I believe. And if you had, mean, a, you so, had a whole generation grow up with yeah. Roe versus Wade, I mean, 50 years, it's, it's the way American life has been known. We're talking about taking us back to our parents' existence. I mean, it's sort of like it's a, it's a whole other paradigm that we are, you know, not ready for and cannot really do. And that's why so respectfully, I disagree. It is not just back to 1960. Mm, mm. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's back to before the Magna Carta, where yeah. you had some recourse against a king. This was a few rich warlords. We're going to own all of our bodies, all of our labor, and all of us, everything we you know, do. These people, the yeah, no, okay. You know what? I think this has been a long, you know, a century plus long temper tantrum against Teddy Roosevelt and FDR, who betrayed their class. Mm -hmm. Like they, you know, if you go all the way back to 1850, you still got slavery. You yeah. start to have the labor movement in the you know post Civil War era. And then, you know, by Teddy, you know, who was rich enough, he didn't have to care. In 1905, he's like, no, we're doing antitrust. You know, we're getting food and drug act. You know, going to work shouldn't kill you. Getting milk, meat shouldn't kill you. And the robber barons called him a traitor to his class. And then he's like, fuck you. I have Dutch New York money. I don't need any of you. And then his cousin Franklin, you know, deepened it even further with the new deal and with some rights and established inner, you know, somewhere between there, you had a, you had income tax that came in. This is like, you had people, you know, who fundamentally didn't like the idea of freedom kind of were jealous of the European concept of nobility and monarchy and wanted to take us back to that. And they, you know, we keep moving forward with more rights because it's logical and it's actually much more prosperous and makes money and is attractive, which is why America had all this soft power and the very wealthy, have had a few corruptible, you know, folks in Washington and in state houses who have been lifting up their, you know, the tax code and all that allowed these people to mass, you know, getting back to robber baron, uh, you know, levels of income and wealth inequality. 
here and they're like right as we were saying back in 1870 before you got all yeah. mouthy or in the south back in 1860 when you guys got all mouthy you work for us and we own your bodies mm -hmm. and we will fuck you we will sell your children you will die working for us and shut up yep that's yep. where we're and, at you know that, now the three of us were like mm, but what if we didn't you know what, so if we don't? The what, if, what if we don't? I mean, this really is the exact fight between democracy and autocracy that we're having. And I don't think people understand <laughs> that it's about our personal liberties as much as it needs to be uh, that framed around that because it doesn't get discussed yeah. that way. And, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, this yeah. is all of us. It's not about women and yeah. abortion or contraceptives. It's about self as Eric. And I think Eric's tapping into like what I think is why the messaging is more powerful. The macro focus too mm. is to this concern. I mean, like a lot of conservatives are like moderate conservative people care very deeply. I mean, individual autonomy is like the fundamental <laughs> basis of natural rights. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like if you don't have control over your vessel, there is no natural right. Yeah. Right. You have to be able to do that. And like, that is the argument we should be having should yeah. women be sentenced to die because they are pregnant and in a state where the state saying no you must die for this unborn baby <laughs> like, i don't mm. think so dude like i think that's terrifying i think the idea that the state owns my body because i have a uterus and people like my tongue-in-cheek tweet went viral about you know i should change my uh vagina into an ar-15 because then it will still have fundamental rights right mm -hmm. like that i mean but that it's not wrong like if i cannot control my own body i am half the citizen that my two co-hosts are yeah period well, we won't be either. I mean, the reality of it is we're not going to be citizens either because the, you know, I grew up in South Africa. I know exactly what that autocracy feels like and looks like on everybody's side. It's not comfortable for anybody, but, you know, it's not a place America needs to go to. It's not a place that a world can go to without America. I mean, the idea of there not being an America that does what America does, which is push the world into a more liberal mindset. We won't have that. We'll only have these dark forces that are, are pulling us back. We can't have that going on in the world. No, I want to talk have, and we can't have the world's we, most, like you know, deadly military power by far, yeah. eons stronger than anything else on Earth, fall into the control of of mm -hmm. fascist ideologues. Guys. We have <laughs> complete access to all, <laughs> our, all our data, you know? and all our privacy, and everything. They know everything about our lives, anyhow. I mean, that's no just a shit. Volatile. And this is not like the 1920s and 30s where the resistance has a chance, guys. Mm. Like if they take over a stable America that's not getting blitzed or bombed apart, the surveillance capabilities mm -hmm. that the government has now would make it very fucking hard, folks, for us to do anything like the Polish underground or anything like that, because they could, I mean, I don't know what they can do, but we know what we have some ideas and it would be very difficult to go up against the government if they had the full control yeah. of it like the third Reich did absolutely difficult Possible, absolutely absolutely and I, I want to throw this out there and this is a shout out to all the republican you know people who believe in gun rights above all else after this row thing goes down and there's no more right to bodily autonomy do you think the elite that take over do you think they're going to allow you to have guns because mm -hmm. no vladimir way. putin doesn't yeah, everyone got suckered. You know, the Republicans who took money from, you know, was the guys, you know, Alexander Torshin comes over with the Maria Butina and becomes a lifetime member of the NRA. And they're from a country where you're not allowed to have guns because dictatorships, they do not allow small arms in the hands of people. 
They do not allow the protections of the Second Amendment. And after they're done telling us that none of us have the right to our bodies, because this is just because you don't have a uterus this week. Guess what? That once they say, you know, we want government so big, it fits in your crotch, it fits in your bloodstream. It, you know, we decide what chemicals that you can ingest here and there to have an effect on your own reproductive tract. They're just saying, look, we can, we run everything. We'll kill you when we want. And they're insane. Yeah. And no free and speech, fight them no free organization, no free anything. All that stuff just gets oh, yeah. thrown out the window. No shit. When I talk to no. these guys, like the righties particularly, mm-hmm. what I try to get them to understand is, okay, it's all shits and giggles when there's still opposition people yeah. to jail and murder and control. But they will run through that. Okay, We can see it in Italy. You can see it in Nazi yeah. Germany, in Japan. Once you run through opposition, guess what comes next, guys? You. You useful idiots okay mm-hmm. and the last thing that they're gonna they'll be happy to let you have your AKs as long as you're mowing down and owning the left and black people or latinos with it okay but once that's mm-hmm. done they will not be letting you hold firearms and if you think that they will well man i don't know why i can i don't know what to tell you <laughs> can you give me a, few, a brief minute here to talk a little bit more about Anthony Kennedy and describe exactly about his son and who he was? Because it does, it's really important. A lot of this comes from Dark Towers, the book by David Enrich about the Deutsche Bank. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with Deutsche Bank's sort of uh, storied history as a bank that was started by the Prussian king and also chief funders of this dude, Adolf Hitler in Germany and the Iranian folks, whereas they made my Ayatollah picture. There's an Ayatollah picture I don't have, but you get the general idea that these are funders of, you know, not the most uh, democratic of countries or even movements. Also, this man, Jeffrey Epstein, was one of the people who uh, who got financed a lot of his uh, human trafficking through Deutsche Bank. And we know, of course, Donald Trump and Jared Kushner all had ties to Deutsche Bank. It's fact how all they survived all these years. No one else would loan Donald Trump anything. According to the book, Deutsche had become the key force allowing Trump to bounce back from multiple bankruptcies, to purchase and develop marquee properties, to recast himself as a successful businessman, to become a viable candidate for president only because of Deutsche Bank. It goes on to say that, oh, this is the other thing that they did. The head of Deutsche Bank uh, landed up being a fan of the Russians or the Russians were a fan of him. They landed up hiring him after he left there, but he also extended a billion dollar credit to Vladimir Putin, which is how a lot of the money laundering that happened from uh, Russia that led up to where we are today happened. It's because it went through Deutsche Bank. The good relationship extended to helping wealthy Russians launder money into the United States, a crucial service since few American banks were willing to accept the legal risks. Interesting to note that these two people, the former chancellor of Germany, uh, Merkel and Putin were friends for 20 years and uh, she reigns still quite close to him. And Ackerman, who was the previous, I'm sorry, the previous uh, chancellor, whose name I forget, what was his name? Yeah, he went to work for uh, Putin as well. So there's a close relationship between the Russian autocratic movements and Deutsche Bank that leads us all the way to where we want to get to now, which is, by the way, it was $80 billion that was laundered through Deutsche Bank. But then comes along Justin Kennedy. Justin Kennedy was the managing director and global head of real estate capital markets. He was one of Mr. Trump's most trusted associates over a 12-year spell at Deutsche, according to the Financial Times. It goes on to say that Justin's father was Anthony Kennedy, who had joined the Supreme Court in 1988. That opened slots of doors for Justin. Skiing in Aspen, the young Kennedy would mingle with billionaires and wannabe billionaires, men like Donald Trump. 
Kennedy sometimes sat with Trump at his lug- in his luxury box in the U.S. Open tennis tournament or at Manhattan's nightclubs, where Trump would park himself off at a table in the corner, facing outward, holding court like a mafia don. Kennedy made his reputation on Wall Street by being part of a team with a foresight to short mortgages in 2006. Perfect timing. In just the first Perfect half timing. of 2007, the bet generated as much as $540 million in revenue for Deutsche Bank as subprime mortgages fell apart. And that is the you know, really controversial thing about Justin Kennedy, the son of Anthony Kennedy, whom Trump landed up getting to retire before his time uh, in order so he could replace him with Justice Kavanaugh. That seems to me like an awful lot of corruption over there. That does not seem like it should never happen. And there's no way to control this thing. There's no higher authority over the Supreme Court. So there's no way to say that this stuff can't happen. But it clearly is not. You know, this guy was in business with Donald Trump and he got his father to retire. And, you know, this whole mess about the subprime mortgages is corruption. There's no other way to look at it. Yeah. I mean, when you think about that and you think about the context of like all the pardoning, all those pardon corruption scandals, I mean, each one in and of itself is as, as monumental as this scandal mm-hmm. that you're describing, which is just one of like at least a hundred things, right? The hotel in Scotland and Paul, mm-hmm. oh, I mean, he's been charging the Secret Service to travel with him to his own resorts, right? Mm-hmm. Like not normally you don't pay a when you stay with the president in his house, you don't pay him rent. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, like if you're gonna want to go to a, your hotel and resort and bring the Secret Service, the idea that you wouldn't comp them the rooms. So like taxpayers have, you know, there's so much. It's so frustrating. And I always wonder like what it must look like to people who are like us in the UK or France or Italy or wherever. They have the same problems. They have the same issues in the UK. I mean, this is not something that's unique to um, to America. Yeah, they do. There's a you know different. They have the Russian takeover there, basically of their of their institutions, including their Supreme Court. It's a very scary global thing that's happening. But this is how they do yeah. it. They use a lot of money. And they must have thought about this for a long time because they were funding Donald Trump at a time when no one else would fund him, which means they had a yeah. plan for him, and they had a plan with Justin Kennedy. And this is you know you know how great is it that you employ the justice's son so you can corrupt him, corrupt the family, and then be able to move him along. I mean, that's very mobby Russian style, you know, autocracy, but that's exactly what we've been doing. Well, that's exactly what we have here. I mean, we have a Saddam Hussein, Uday and Kusey regime. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's nothing American about the Donald Trump administration, nothing at all. Nothing. Then we move into Ginny. Did you guys see or at least read uh, Justice Thomas's comments about bullying? Did you read that? There's outrageous comments no. he made yesterday about bullying. You look angry, Eric. Are you okay? Sorry, I'm, you just you look. You look I can't tell if <laughs> no, I just want. I just want. To be happy you hour, mentioned Clarence Thomas. I'm like, is he in prison yet? <laughs> well, why isn't he in prison? We're going to have to start getting Eric drunk before. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it was just depressing with what I just showed him. But uh, yeah, talk about Clarence Thomas and why he's not in prison and why is Ginny Thomas not in prison? I mean, I the audacity of the justices to be doing this. It's insane. Yeah, just, I mean, yeah. our founding fathers really fucked all this up. Like, yeah. Yeah, they did great. Like, if I was teaching this, like, I used to teach this shit, like the separation of powers and the articles and the bill. I mean, you know, the whole fucking thing, the constitutional convention, you know, from articles of confederation on, I am well-versed in this stuff. I mean, I'm certainly not an expert because my expertise is different, but I know a lot about the founding. And I'm telling you, they did not intend to design a system 
in which the president is inoculated from the law while he's mm-hmm. in office mm-hmm. and inoculated from law <laughs> while he's out of office. Like, there's no goddamn way you're ever going to sell me on the fact that that was the goal, all right? And we really have revealed some severe weaknesses in our institutional design, things that we cannot fix without constitutional amendments, which we cannot have without two-thirds majority and ratification in the states. And, you know, I think like the, I'm not saying we're going to fail. I'm just saying we are very much like a car that ran really well while the speed limit was 55 and like there was only so much driving going on. But now that it's 80 and like the whole world is asphalt, like our structure, it needs a rehaul to meet the moment and it needs to not rely on the assumption that these men in office will do the right thing. And I don't know if you guys were watching, I don't remember which show, I think it was Chris Hayes last night, but they showed the past Mitch McConnell had been in charge of an investigation for a corrupt senator on the Republican side. And I remember the guy's name and it's 20 years ago or so. And there's footage of McConnell talking about how important it is for parties to be able to police their own membership and how, you know, the unanimous vote from the committee to recommend rejection from the Senate. So, you know, it was totally bipartisan. And like, that's how our institutions operated. It's so important for people to understand until about 2010. And we're 10 years now into this post system where those norms, the things that allowed it to function were all based on norms. It was based on the assumption that you would do the right thing. And it's clearly now met its match because we've people, when people are willing to not do the right thing, then it all falls apart pretty quickly. And right now we have a lawless, hopefully we'll end up with law enforcement for Trump and his cronies and the part people in the Republican Party that tried to overthrow the fucking government. But like we were really like, I mean, and you saw any of this shit happen in another country like Canada or France. And I understand the UK has got corruption issues and that's all from westernization, by the way, us following the example of us in media and campaign stuff and whatever, right? And like radical deregulation and Reaganomics and Thatcher shit, right? Like that stuff, like there's a little bit of equivalency, but you, Boris Johnson held a roof party during COVID and violated the COVID law and he was roasted for it, right? I mean, didn't he pay some enormous exuberant fee? Right. Yeah. You did. So, like, so I just really want to point out, like, there's no comparison right now. It's true. Other countries have had moments where they were as much of a shit show, but the American shit show is distinct and it is incredibly, incredibly dangerous. Because it's the only real democracy on the planet. Every other democracy is beholden to some sort of monarchy or some sort of other higher power, as far as I can tell. Eric. Well, I mean, symbolically, right? (laughs) They say symbolically, but how much power do they really have? I mean, it's, you know, they still are the monarchs. They still get to control everything. All hell breaks loose. They're in charge. I mean, is the Queen of England really that powerful still? I didn't know. It's up for debate. I think think she's a huge land order and her children are running around trafficking kids and trafficking arms and doing offshore money laundering and not getting away with it. So, yeah, they're pretty powerful. I mean, yeah, but they can't it's, run. It's the hard to. Do, I mean, in terms of being able to take the levers of control of the country, I think they can. I mean, not America, because America is a really independent country, but it's the only one that really is a democracy in its own. Everything else. Well, then I would tell my UK audience this: okay, yeah. these constitutional weaknesses, these f- things that are falling apart on us right now, yeah. should have been identifiable 
certainly after Richard Nixon, mm-hmm. and we failed to identify them. And all if, if it's true that the King of England is restrained from seizing control and returning Britain to a monarchy because of his own desire, you might want to go and codify they, they some safeguards in there. <laughs> the king, the new king, when he's when yeah. he's uh, you know ascending, yeah. it will yeah. be a uh, he's a very different monarch. He's got very clear ideas about how he wants the world to be. He wants you know he's all about sustainable economies, but in order to be sustainable, he believes in a lot of uh, deconstruction of existing economies. He's a very he's not a non-interferer in government. He's a, there's a whole scandal in the UK about the number of letters he's been writing to ministers over the years demanding certain policies. He sold, you know, passports and other things to, to the Saudis, to the UAE. There's a lot of, you know, King Charles is not uh, Queen Elizabeth. This will be a very different tenure in the United Kingdom. People should actually think about codifying the protections they have there because I don't think they'll last quite as long as they think they will. Eric, cheer us up. Say something, buddy. <laughs> Say something. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about the end. Uh, You know, this is centered around Roe, which I think is the barn door that lets autocracy out. It's hard to be too chipper there until this is all sewed up. Yeah, but we can. uh, We got to know why this was, you know, what was the push push for this? Because all these wealthy people, like, you know, like they don't pay for abortions for their mistresses and their daughters. Come on now. Oh, you know, they do. Um, That's not what it's about. It is about it's, you know, it's not about liberal versus conservative. It's about the end of the rule of law and, you know, us becoming serfs again. That's why they got some of these guys got so, you know, chummy with various monarchies and the Russians and whatnot is shared values. And they have come. It's not done yet. I mean, they're still I'm in Missouri. They just closed out the legislative session and, you know, they want to spend most of the time talking about a handful of trans children in sports and school Mm. because they don't want to talk about money laundering and they don't want to talk about shutting down, you know, uh, child abuse center, private schools and child trafficking and the rest of it. Um, Or that their next uh, senator is a, you know, corrupt sexual abuser who extorts women. (laughs) You know, they don't want to The next one? Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, the current ones are foreign agents. I mean, you know, we're not done yet, but, you know, there's a lot coming up. There's little things like, you know, we we just uh, filled out a, a quorum in the FTC so we can take apart some big companies if we got to. You know, there's the Jan 6 stuff coming up, you know. Fight's not over. Oh, the fight's but, not over uh, at all. I think, yeah. At all. It's just getting started. And guys, here's the thing. Like, if that decision comes out anything anything like this memo okay Mm. (laughs) like it can be softer but still like do this what this memo does to the right to privacy it is going to be a tidal wave and the moment that happens the politics that have favored them for the last 50 years flips in an instant okay Mm. because the life situation becomes women who are forced to die because they have an ecotopic pregnancy or they can't get abortion to get cancer treatment and those people are going to make the news and it is going to be a total shit show for them so you know and i'll say one other thing and i know amy comey barrett's a big fan of the show so she's definitely watching it she should definitely watch that handmaid's show because one of the most important through lines of that show is that the woman that brought down the fall of women's self-autonomy over their own bodies ended up getting her own fucking finger chopped off in the end. Oh, I've got so much on Amy Comey Barrett I want to talk to you about, but can I just cheer us up with a little bit of Hakeem Jeffries? You'll enjoy this. This is from uh, Wednesday. If Justice Thomas really wants to deal with 
bullying in America or this problem of people supposedly unwilling to accept outcomes that they don't like. I've got some advice for Justice Thomas. Start in your own home. Have a conversation with Jeannie Thomas. She refused to accept the legitimacy of the 2020 presidential election. Why? Because she didn't like the outcome. And so instead, she tried to steal the election, overthrow the United States government, and install a tyrant. That's bullying. That's being unwilling to accept an outcome because you don't like the results. Because the former twice impeached so-called president of the United States of America lost legitimately to Joe Biden. How did she respond? Instead, she said, the Bidens should face a military tribunal in Guantanamo Bay on trumped up charges of sedition. You've got to be kidding me. And lastly, let me ask this question of Brother Thomas. Why are you such a hater? Hate on civil rights, hate on women's rights, hate on reproductive rights, hate on voting rights, hate on marital rights, hate on equal protection under the law, hate on liberty and justice for all, hate on free and fair elections. Why are you such a hater? And you think you can get away with it, escape public scrutiny, because you think that shamelessness is your superpower? Uh, Mr. Chairman, a point well, of here's, order. Here's a news flash Mr. Chairman, from the House Judiciary Committee. Point of order. Truth press to the ground will rise Time. again, and truth will Time. be your kryptonite. I don't know what happened he's to you. He's doing it again. Yeah, he's good. It's a good speech. He, he has a good speech. No, I mean, here's like, you know what that is, too, Zev, that he just did yeah. there? He did the old pivot and attack, right? The entire time he was talking was focused on, you know, Ginny Thomas and Justice Thomas and the Republican Party and the crazy shit and reminding people about how crazy it is because they wanted to get Mojo Biden. Yeah, <laughs> right? Like, that's, that's what we need to do every time we talk. We need to talk about Republicans. We need to talk about what they, the modern Republican Party is doing and just what a shit show people are facing if they take power again. Absolutely. I mean, I think this is a great rallying point, and I think America will rally, and as usual, I think we're going to survive this and win this, but it is a very terrifying position we're in, and I think people have to understand that, and we have to keep reminding people of how risky this position is. But I also, my whole point behind the show tonight is that this particular justice judge, this bench, sorry, this SCOTUS bench, is really corrupt. Like, it's really yes. corrupt. They should not be there. These people should <laughs> By have design. Any, yeah, they should yeah, be disbanded. They stole the Supreme Court. Yes. Like that? <laughs> They should not be standing. They should, be in this, they should not be on the bench. They should be the whole court should be disbanded. They should reconstitute it because it's just well, corrupt. Yeah, you no, can't do bad. what they did. You yeah. can't do what they did. We've always had part. Listen, the loss of the judicial filibuster, mm. which McConnell nuked. Okay, mm. McConnell nuked the judicial filibuster so they could get Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Comey Barrett yeah. through. Yeah, because they could not have received sixty votes. And, you know, for all the years prior to 2017, you needed, well, not all of them, but, you know, in the modern era, you needed 60 votes. And that meant you could get somebody who was a liberal, but they couldn't be very liberal. Mm -hmm. And you exactly. could get somebody who was a conservative and they had to at least pretend Thomas is kind of the outlier. The more common outcome was a Day O'Connor, a Kennedy, right? Mm -hmm. And now we're going to have nothing but ideologues. And I'll be honest with you, it's incredibly, incredibly bad. Like yeah. what we were going to see in this court is bad. Amy Coney Barrett it is predicted to be a person who's going to get the position on the court by Artem Kalushin. He is now in jail in the United States. States. He's because, because of, of the 
corruption scheme that he was involved in. He's Putin's best friend. And in these tweets that he used to whisper to Donald Trump what he should do before these things happened, in uh, 2019, he said, it's time to remove Ruth, Ruth Ginsburg from the judges of the Supreme Court. Ginsburg, the star of the world jurisprudence, has been at the Supreme Court for 25 years. It's time for her to rest. That was his actual tweet on January 11, 2019, before she passed away. And then he knew that Amy Coney Barrett was going to be the, the nominee well before anybody else knew, well before Trump had announced that she was going to be the nominee to replace Ginsburg. I mean, these kind of things on their own sort of let slide, but they, we have to go back and look at these things. There's a lot of corruption in this court. There's at least three justices that are there for questionable reasons. And, you know, we should be asking those questions and at least have a review of it somehow this year. It's not sort of right that these three people can change the course of humanity and America just because they've been installed there illegally by this, this giant movement. To the victor go the spoils, Zev. And, I, you know, I know. We, now we have no, we can sit there and cry all fucking day about how dirty they are and how they us up or we can do something about it and i vote we do something about 100%. it 100 and that means organizing <laughs> get out there vote because it's going to be more than one and that's, that's the show this week i'm not sure uh, why eric left but i think it was just because it was eight o'clock i hope so rachel it's great to see you and it's great to have you back have a great night everybody thanks for being here we'll see you bye bye narrative is made possible by viewers like you You can support our independent journalism by going to www.patreon.com forward slash narrative.